If you have your Bibles and would turn with me, I will direct you to the Old Testament, the book of Exodus chapter 15, and uh, we'll uh, take you to a portion of Scripture that I have preached from uh, on several occasions in times past, but over the last few weeks and perhaps even the last few months, I have been feeling a drawback to it, and so tonight we're going to launch out into it. Exodus chapter 15, beginning with verse number 22 down through the end of that chapter, verse number 27, Exodus 15 and 22, and it reads like this. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Sur. They went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Merah, they could not drink of the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Merah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Everybody say, he proved them. There he put them through a test. And he said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam where were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. And everybody said, Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about learning from life's bitter experiences. Everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. It is common knowledge that experience is the best teacher. Amen. Experience is the best teacher. Now, most of us wish that were not true because experience is not always an enjoyable event. You can tell a child a hundred times not to do something such as touch a stove or something that might be of harm to them and yet they <clears throat> cannot learn that lesson they often need to learn until they have actually touched that fire and felt that burn and they have learned the lesson. Unfortunately, Children are not the only one that possess that characteristic. All of us 
have a tendency to only learn when we've been burned. Everybody said amen. We only learn when we've been burned. There's not a person sitting here tonight that would not wish that life could be such that we could get through it without tasting life's bitter delicacies. And yet experience tells us that that is not so, that you and I will not make it through life without a certain amount of, uh, of bitterness. And we will certainly not get through life without being burned a time or two. Age doesn't have anything to do with it. You, you don't have to be a college graduate or an ignorant person that has never gone to school. Life is just made up that way that you are going to go through things and you're going to go through experiences that are not going to be the most pleasant thing. Most often, and I have, I would say not all the time, but most often, learning experiences are bitter experiences. Amen. Can anybody just off the top of your head think of anything you've learned that was life-changing that didn't come out of some hurtful or bitter experience? It just doesn't happen. We might, could, but we're not usually in the learning mode when everything's going our way. We're not usually even in the listening mode when everything's going our way. It's only when the tide turns and things go from good to bad to worse that all of a sudden we perk up and we start paying attention. And then we learn that life has something to teach us. And so it is. Most of life's lessons come in the form of bitter and hard experiences. Israel was fresh from a grand deliverance from slavery. They had previously been brought out of bondage for, uh, by the hand of God after hundreds of years of being there in Egypt. And the, the story is clear to us in the beginning of chapter 15 of the deliverance and the song of triumph that was sang over Israel and how they rejoiced when they emerged safely on the other side of the Red Sea and they looked back to see Pharaoh's army drowned in the sea and no doubt in their mind they thought that their troubles had ended. And, and so it was. But three days later, everybody say three days later, everything changed. Three days journey and they come to Merah. Three days without water. Three days without any source of, uh, of drink. And they were at a testing point in their life. And then when they came to a place that had water, they discovered that it was undrinkable. 
So three days from the Red Sea, three days from dancing and singing and shouting and glorifying the name of the Lord, they're sitting around looking at one another, murmuring and complaining and griping and bellyaching and wondering why Moses brought them out into this desolate wilderness. It was their first disappointment, but it certainly would not be their last. And so the bitter place of murmuring came after the wonderful deliverance from Egypt. And it is that, it is the, it is that, uh, I don't know the right word to, to use here, but it is that just a, uh, whatever that big word is, it is that you're here one moment and the next moment you're here. It is the difference, the vast difference between those two things that really catch our attention that are so startling because the psalm of victory was sung and now no, no sooner had the words died from their lips but now they are replaced with sorrow and murmuring. And they could not drink the waters. Have you ever been to a place in your life where you just couldn't swallow what was before you? Have you ever been in a place in life where you just couldn't take what, what that situation was trying to deal you? And so it was for Israel. Their day of triumph was succeeded by a day of trouble. It's a lesson, church. Exultation gives way to despondency. People dance in one moment in joy and they cry in despair in the moment. They groan with great disappointment when their need and their thirst was not abated. It illustrates to us the vicissitudes of life and how quickly that the journey of life can change. And it is filled with startling changes and one day that we triumph and the next day we are in travail. One day we bask in sunshine and the next day it's darkness and trial. We sing and dance on Sunday but Wednesday finds us moaning and crying. We come to the Red Sea and rejoice over God's deliverance at that point only to find ourselves a few days down the road complaining about the bitter experiences that life have brought us. How quickly life moves from gladness to trouble. It's like a checkerboard, a strange blend of sunshine and rain, sorrow and song, laughter and tears, troubles following rejoicing with startling suddenness. We sing one moment and we cry the next. One day Jesus is baptized in the river Jordan and the Bible said the heavens were open and there was a dove that descended and there was a voice that cried out, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the very next verse says, And straightway the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. One day he comes riding in to Jerusalem and the people are crying, Hosanna! Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. 
But before the week would be out, the very ones that were crying Hosanna would be part of the crowd that cried, crucify him, crucify him. One moment you're being applauded and the next moment you're being crucified. That's life. Everybody say that's life. But there are so many things that we can learn and And I've been trying to absorb them in my own self over the last few weeks and months as I have thought about this particular text and tried to gather in everything that it would say to me and things that might be of help to you tonight. And I I want to tell you that there are some valuable lessons that we can learn in life's bitter experiences. Number one is the simple fact that life is a mixture. It's not all good and it's not all bad. It is a mixture of both. Bitterness often follows blessing and tears often follow shouting and rejoicing. But the reverse is also true. Sometimes or many times blessings follow in the trails of bitterness because life is just that way. It's a mixture. If life was all one common thread, how boring life would be. Can you imagine clothing and only one color? Could you imagine that there was only one color in all of the world and everybody had to wear it and everybody had to sleep in it and everybody had to drink it and everybody had to eat it, that would make the most boring life there is. And if there was always sunshine, we would have a desert. But it takes the mixture of the good and the bad, the lightning and thunder, the rain and the cloud, and the sunshine to make a good life. And we thank God for all of that. We thank God for the beauty and bounty that God brings to us. It is a mixture of All of those things. And only God could have come up with such a mixture. But not only does Mera teach us that, it teaches us that we all have a tendency to forget. Many times, way too soon, the blessings of God and the plan and purpose of God in our life. Because when Israel got to Merah, they forgot, listen to me, they forgot that God is the one that brought them there. They didn't wander there on their own. They didn't accidentally come to that place. They came to that place under the divine direction of God. So if God led them there, God can lead them out of there. But they forgot that. And that's what bitterness does to us. That's what hard times do to us. They often make us forget that we are where we are, not because of some wrong we've done in our life or because of some sin we've committed, but we are where we are by the divine reign and order of God and if God can lead us here God can get us out of here and that's what we need to become aware of tonight that whatever you are going through whatever the bitterness of life God knew all about it before it ever happened and he was aware of it because he was the one leading you 
But Merah, Merah taught Israel how easy it is to forget that God was the one leading them. That God was the one that gave the command for them to come in this direction to begin with. And so they learned that God was there. But they also learned that Merah has a way of bringing out of us, or let me rephrase it, bitter experiences have a way of bringing out of us things that need to be dealt with. Bitterness and bitter experiences and hard times have a way of bringing us to the place where we have to take inventory of ourselves and look in the mirror and say, you know what, you have a problem. Number one, their biggest problem was their selfishness. The only thing they were worried about at Mera was water. We, we don't have anything to drink. They weren't worried about the purpose of God or the plan of God or the will of God. All they were consumed with was their own selfish desire. And it took that experience to reveal to them that there's an issue of selfishness in your life that you need to deal with. And you need to realize that God is not going to forget about you. You're His child. He's not going to desert you. You belong to Him. God has invested in you. God is not going to do something so foolish as to take you somewhere and leave you. And so, Mera, bitter experiences have a way of forcing us to take inventory and look into ourselves. And they bring out of us things sometimes we didn't even know were there. Anger, resentment, retaliation. Words that we didn't even know, we, we didn't even remember that we knew those words. Like that little boy that... <clears throat> Well, I'm, I don't know if I ought to tell that joke or not. But little boy had a lawnmower out on the sidewalk he was trying to sell. And his neighbor come riding by on a bike. And he said, how much do you want for that, sonny? And he said, well, I don't know. How, what will you offer me? He said, I'll tell you what. I'll trade you my bike for that motorcycle because I need one. I mean, I'll trade you my bike for that lawnmower. He said, I need one. I I, I can mow my own grass. I don't have to pay anybody. And he, he said, okay, well, that's a deal. So they swapped, and uh, the guy got the, the lawnmower, and the little boy got the bicycle, and he rode off down the street. He was just happy as a lark. A little while later, he noticed that man waving at him, and he, he made a path down the street to where he was. And he, he said, Sonny, I, I need some help. He said, I've been trying to get this thing to start. And he said, I, I can't seem to find the secret to it. What? What's the secret to getting this thing to start? He said, oh, you have to cuss it. He said, you mean, you, you, you what? He said, yeah, you got to cuss it. He said, son, I, I'm a Christian. I, 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 I put those words out of my vocabulary. Long. I forgot those words. He said, you just keep pulling on that rope. They'll come back to you. And so it is with life. You know, you, you, you. You don't think it's there, but you get into a tight place and you get into a pressure-filled moment and all of a sudden something comes up in you and you think, where in the world did that come from? But that's what mayras are for. 
to help you see those things in you that need to be dealt with. You know what? Are we walking by faith or are we walking by sight? Now, did God not bring us here? Did God not lead us here? Do we know how to be satisfied with God? Listen, folks, that, that one statement right there has been eating on me all afternoon. Do I know how to be satisfied with God? His provision, His supply, the way He operates, the way He moves, the way He does business. Do I know how to be satisfied in God. Now I know that some of you are thinking, oh yes. But put yourself in John the Baptist's shoes. You come out of your mother's womb anointed and filled with the Holy Ghost. Your only mission in life is to point people toward the one who would come whose shoelaces, he said, I'm not worthy to untie. He preaches The multitudes come. He baptizes them by the thousands according to historians. John stirred Jerusalem like nothing had stirred Jerusalem and Judea for hundreds of years. And they came to be baptized by John. And he preached a repentance. And he baptized them unto repentance. But when Jesus came on the scene, he said, I must decrease he must increase when he was asked who do we follow he said he's the one you want to follow and you know what they took him at his word they left him like flies and started following and now john's sitting by himself in a lonely dungeon cell waiting for herod to do his pleasure he's there because herod's Wife, who is ill, uh, married, not supposed to be his wife, hated him and wanted him put in jail. And so he's put in prison. And according to historians, not one time during his, some think that he was in prison for as much as six months. Not one time in six months did Jesus ever come to visit him. Not one time. I got people that get mad if I don't call them. If they miss two services. And I'm not, I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm just saying for six months. For a long period of time. Here's a guy that had poured himself out. And ministry and given and done. And not one call. Not one letter. Not one visit. And so finally John, I don't know if he breaks down or he's just struggling with his humanity, but he sends one of his disciples, one of those few that was still with him. He said, I want you to go ask Jesus, are you the one or do we look for another? Now imagine that. You know what? Jesus didn't explain to him. He didn't say, oh, I'm sorry. I've been so busy doing miracles and opening blind eyes and healing the deaf and raising. I haven't had time to get by John, but as soon as I. He didn't explain anything. He didn't tell him why. He just said, you go back and tell John everything that you see. Eyes are being opened. The dead are being raised. 
the lame are walking. Oh, and by the way, tell John, blessed is he that is not offended in me. Blessed is he that is not upset at the way I run my business. Mm. Blessed is the man that can be satisfied in God even though you don't understand it and you cannot find a reason for it, you still say, I trust him. Amen. I trust him. So bitter experiences have a way of bringing out of us things that need to be dealt with. And I move on. Mayra reminds us that, listen to me, bitter experiences remind us that God always has a remedy for our situation. Always. God has a key to every lock. He has the answer to every mystery. And it reminds us that He is aware of our need and nothing in my life or your life ever takes God by surprise. He said before you ever call, I will answer you. What a God that already knows what I need before I even ask. Not only that, this is what really blows me away. Get your Bibles back out and let's go back to the verse. The Bible said, and Moses, verse 25, cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. A tree that had already been planted. It had already been nurtured and brought to fruition. So before Israel ever got out of bondage, while they're still wrestling under the taskmaster, God caused a seed to fall into the ground at a place called Merah so that there would be a tree grown when Israel got there at that juncture in their life. God had already provided. He had already supplied. Do you understand what I'm telling you tonight? God's already walked into your future. He's already seen your tomorrow. And He's already planted every seed you're going to need to help get you through whatever it is you're going to go through. God has already planted a tree there. He's already made away hallelujah already gone ahead of me and already done what needs to be done when they arrived it was already taken care of God had already done it no wonder Paul would say but my God I like that but my God makes you throw out your chest but my God What about my God? But my God shall supply all your need. How? According to His riches in glory. According to what He's already got. According to what He's already done. According to what He's already planted. Already positioned. Can you understand that? That God's already positioned things in your future. That when you get there. You're going to have what you need to get you through. That will turn bitterness to sweetness. That will turn sorrow to rejoicing. Amen. God had already provided a tree. He will never, 
and or I will never have a need that God doesn't already have an answer for. Everybody say already. He already has an answer before that need arises. They learned about God. They learned about God. That's what we need to do is learn more about Him. They learn His name, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer. And only bitter episodes of life can really reveal God in His fullness and His glory. It's when we wrestle all night. And we don't know why, but we can't let go that the morning comes and He touches us and we see Him as we've never seen Him and we know Him like we've never known Him before. Amen. And I'm closing. Mayra, listen to me. Mayra teaches us that when we are willing to see what God shows us during our bitter experiences, how quickly the bitterness of life is turned to sweetness. As soon as they saw the tree and they cut it down and they put it in the water, it was immediately turned to sweetness. Immediately it was transformed. So there is nothing that the cross of Calvary cannot make sweet. There is nothing that me being willing to see what God is trying to show me in this experience that if I will use it and I will do something with it, it will change the bitterness to sweetness. Amen. My rejoicing will return. And somebody said, Amen. There's nothing that you and I are facing, but if you will bring the tree into the equation, it will make it sweet. Amen. I don't have time to dwell on that tonight. But the same tree that sweetened Mara's water can sweeten our waters. Amen. We all have our Red Sea days when we shout and rejoice. But we're all going to go through a Mara or two or three or four. Sooner or later in life, we're going to pass through that place. Sickness, business fails, children rebel, somebody dies, the economy crashes, the job is cut off. How bravely we try to face those times and sometimes we wonder where God is. But if we will just stop and learn, God has something to teach us in our bitter experiences. It's been my observation, and I'm closing, that Mayras have to come. They have to come. Amen. They have to come because they serve a divine end. Days of disappointment are placed in all of our lives so that we can learn more about Him. You know what? <clears throat> I think the most important thing I could tell you tonight is simply this. Mayra's come <clears throat> so that we might keep <clears throat> ourselves alert. Everybody say alert. Alert, awake to the fact that God is still with us. God is leading us. If there's anything that needs to happen to our world right now, we need a spiritual awakening. But I want to tell you what, there's an awakening that needs to come to the church. Too many of us are sleeping, and I don't mean literally, but I mean spiritually. We are in a, 
we're in a daze. It's like we're walking through life with our eyes closed, but our body's still functioning and bumping into stuff in life and wondering why we're hurting. What we need to do is allow these things to make us wake us up. Shake us from our sleep and make our eyes come open and look around and take inventory and realize where we are and say, God, what are you trying to tell me and what are you wanting to teach me right now? Not only that, but Mayrus come to keep us thankful. Amen. You cannot go through a bitter experience where God has, he's already supplied the need and you discover it. That you you don't leave there thankful that God has taken care of you. You know what? I've never been through a trial yet that God hadn't seen me through. I've never been through a hard time yet that God didn't make a way out of. And I'm thankful. Last but not least, Mayra teaches us to be dependent completely, totally, unreservedly upon Him and Him alone. I need him tonight like I've never needed him before. Because I'm not going to be able to navigate this place of life without him. I I can't get through this wilderness without his help. I've got to have him. And Mayra, bitter experiences have a way of teaching us. We really do need him. Amen. We need him. Because he knows the answer to what we're going through. And he knows where the tree's at. Amen. He showed him a tree. God knows where to direct us in our time of trouble. And God knows where to lead us. We need him tonight. More than we've ever needed him before. If we're going to make it through this wilderness journey, we're not going to make it without the hand of God upon our life. So every day I pray, God, keep your hand on me. Direct me today. Lead me. Don't let me forget your hand is upon me either. Don't let me forget that your mercies are over me every day of my life. And no matter how bitter life's experiences are, no matter how difficult and hard the trial of the moment might be, God, I need you like I've never needed you before. Amen. Let's stand together.